we got, we got cues or no? Bunch of a's. <laughs> yeah, well, of course we got cues. Okay, I was just well, otherwise I would, we'd just be sitting around here like a bunch of. Well, a's. I didn't know if you had collected cues or if you developed your own. We collected them. You collected them. I answer a cue with another cue. We accused a number of cues. Okay, a cue. And now we're gonna a them. Okay. Together, right yes. in the a. Uh, yes, we did solicit questions for our very special. Uh, profile and beaniness hero of the month. <coughs> Prepare to be refried in the love of our fan base. Assuming you give the proper A's, otherwise they're vicious and they will find oh, you I have and they will wreck you. Sweet and savory, sensuous A's for <laughs> all of your listeners. Yeah. And uh, that's just a taste, everyone. <laughs> and that's just a sweet. I love taste. the the. I love that photo. That photo that we the used. Pho- have the you promotional seen the photo? photo, that we photo? Used? No. Did what you do you see? It? No. What? You, oh, was the, it my? I can't flip. Was it, it my Nintendo gun? Oh, no, it's the one. No, that no. You're Calvin wearing, Klein just, underwear. Yeah. They, it's on your IMDb like, profile. Oh, oh, yeah. It's just like, oh, uh, yeah. Daniel. Hot. Look yeah. how hot it is. And I'm just looking at, yeah. yeah. I'm good. Yeah. No, uh, it radiates it's chari- just sexual charisma. It's a delight. It's just a delight. <laughs> Thank you very Having much, known guys. you for so long. It's just and like, yet your left yeah, hand nestled on your thigh. The fingers are poised just slightly as if you might be ready to play guitar or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, no, it's, it's nice. You've got to be in that ready stance, <laughs> you know. Dribble those keys. It's like so when you're going, you're going number two and you've got your feet ready in case you need to jump up, you yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the yeah. four starch. Yeah, you just got to get on your tippy toes. <laughs> you can't, uh, your feet are cut off in the photo, but I imagine oh, they're oh, on point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, my entire legs, did you see the arrival? Yeah, yeah, they're bent backwards like oh, flamingo you mean legs. The classic yeah. era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The the Charlie nine, Sheen one. Yeah. I love that movie. Yeah, I'm ready to. You just, love that movie? I love that movie. I'm but sad you're that like arrival. mediocre on the burbs. <laughs> and Not I even. think I think the Charlie Sheen the arrival is far better than the recent movie Arrival. I'll I'll say that. Oh, is that we Nicole Kidman? This. this is insane. <laughs> I see that one. I I've known this man That's for decades. That's the boring decade. slog through an English lesson from Aliens that has one good sci-fi concept oh, yes. in it oh, yeah, 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 and yeah. nothing of interest else. No, to I, what say. am I thinking of with Nicole Kidman? She was in some like two-word Alien movie. Uh, it was like the... a thriller. Other... Predator versus the, <laughs> no, Predator versus the arrival Cowboys of Aliens. aliens. Yeah. The... Nicole Kidman's a predator? I hadn't heard. <laughs> yeah, that's another podcast. Oh, well, we have it. <laughs> Alien Kidman. Alien, Alien Kidman. Kidman. Oh, that's yeah, that's right, what that's it was. Right. Loved Alien it. Kidman. Uh, ooh, you guys just made me think of Fly to the Navigator for the first time in many years. That's a, that's a fun <laughs> we one. We did it. But we did it. Planned. Because we're probably not going to get to that episode or have you back for that particular episode because you already said you hated it. Yeah. This is the time. So in a nutshell... What's so wrong with Wreck-It Ralph, in your opinion, before we get to the cues? Okay. Are you ready for... This is my... Lay it on me. Here, I, I have a big overarching problem with Wreck-It Ralph mm-hmm. that, to me, is unforgivable, but clearly a lot of people just don't agree or experience <laughs> okay. this. Mm-hmm. But I was I was like, oh my God, this is so fun. I can't wait to see Wreck-It Ralph. I'm a huge video game yeah. fan. It's going to take place in like a video game world, and we're going to get to see like what that's about. We start the movie in the video game world. Yes. We very quickly get sucked into a Candyland-based racing game. Which is probably a phone app in real-world terms or something yeah, like that. I guess. Yeah. Or Mario like, Kart, maybe. But it it's like Mario Kart. Kart and Candy yeah. Crush or something. But then we spend the entire movie in a candy world mm-hmm. with cover, with candy jokes the entire time. It's like sticky taffy jokes. Instead of game and, jokes. And I was like, why am I watching this? Isn't that I, the part where they go into the first and, person shooter? And they didn't advertise it and like kill, that. Yeah, like they a swarm they, of they, aliens. At the beginning and at the very end and the fun yeah. and games of the movie, which mm-hmm. should be about video games, is all about candy. And I just mm, couldn't, I couldn't handle yeah. that a video game movie was taking place almost entirely in a setting where candy and gumdrops and stuff like that was what that I had true. to be watching. Where would you And, and they it? advertised it like that. They didn't advertise it like that. They yeah, advertised they, it like it was all a video game world. I thought and when I saw it, I was like, no, I when, when, when are we getting out of here? I can see that go through a switch. series of different video games. Yeah. And he really only did, you're right, like a montage of different video games and then it settles into the candy land. And you're in there the whole time. And I was like, it's, so I was like, why am I watching like mint guards what and would candy, you replace candy cane the stories setting with uh, in a video game? 
Which well, games? I mean, if they're going to have him get stuck in one video game, don't make the video game candy themed. Make it like a regular video game. Because what video famous like video games that everyone plays actually but are candy themed? Like console, candy candy console games. But him, like Candy Crush is not the kind drop, of game that, that he starts in. But you know what I mean? If you drop him in like Grand Theft Auto, Bubble this Bobble. is now just a CG movie. Like, being in the world of Grand Theft Auto is basically the same as being or, in a Pixar movie anyway. Or, or have him get around. into the real world and he's in an arcade, or, which they the kind of do. The sequel's but, gonna, but the sequel is very clearly going to be like internet jokes mm, and again, not like gaming jokes. Right. But probably not directly related to gaming. And my guess is because, let's put it this way, there is an exhaustive list of every movie ever related to or based on video games and it's not even that long right and every single one is tanked so i guarantee you when they sat down to actually execute wreck it ralph money people in the room were like look we get that you're trying to court the gaming audience but it can't actually be about video games there just has never been a successful movie about video games yet Mm -hmm. there may be but I don't think they were willing to be like, let's well, try and be the first California. hit video game movie. I, I just wanted a, I just wanted a game where the, the you know, logline was not like, essentially Donkey Kong gets yeah. out of his game and oops, he's in Candy World. Oops. Is he gonna enjoy candy you or not? Have seen I hope he doesn't get knew. trapped yeah. by candy guards and live in Candy Palace. I was like, no, can't watch that movie. So not no interested in watching that movie. Candy. No, got it. To not me, for a yeah. feature film. Also, I don't un- want it to be a no, centerpiece I, of I it. I did not enjoy I mean, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory or Chocolat. At least I knew what I was walking into with those movies because sure. they really advertise what they're about. A chop- I, and the sweet smell of success is really pushing it. Okay, yeah. as a lover of puns, it's kind of, and we'll get off of Racket Ralph now. But it is kind of unforgivable to me that the sequel is not called Ralph Wrecks the Internet. It's what called is it Ralph called? Breaks the Internet. The yeah, fucking pun is right there. Take it. They must have had a decision where I, they said, it's a Wreck It Ralph. I, where, you know, like, like five people in the room voted no on that, and four people <laughs> yeah. were like, what? How? <laughs> yeah. like, and they're like, well, Ralph like, doesn't wreck, he breaks. <laughs> right. I think it's because they're parodying when uh, What's Her Name showed off her butt, and it they called that event yeah, it Breaking broke the, the Internet. internet. But his name is Wreck-It Ralph. All right, first question. (laughs) I'm ready. From Stephen Wright, who I always love to see commenting because I love the comedian Stephen Wright, and I like to pretend that this Stephen Wright's the same guy. Yeah, me too. Of the traditional... That's what we're all doing now. For all of the questions. (laughs) (laughs) You are who it says you are. Of the traditional trinity of sci-fi authors, I don't know that that there's a traditional trinity, but they identify that as Asimov, Heinlein, and Clark. What would you say are their best works? Dear Lord. <laughs> you're allowed to say that. <laughs> Why did they ask yeah, this? You're allowed to also this say is, what are their best books? works? What are their biggest weaknesses as authors? Oh, man. And are there any other works that you love personal, You would love to have personally had a hand in creating for I'm, film? Uh, feel free to ignore any parts of this query that you have no answer for. <laughs> also, yes, Stephen writes my real name. Just call me Stephen the Lesser until he dies. And then in tiny font, it says, which will be tomorrow. I'm on my way there now. But anyway, as wow. to the question, okay. well, I just <laughs> look into out Stephen Wright. Print that, because that's going to be Daniel, in a court case. Have you read yeah. any Asimov, Heinlein, or Clark? I, I, I don't know. Heinlein did uh, Body Snatchers? Uh, I don't believe so. He did Stranger in a Strange Land. Yeah. He did uh, The Unpleasant Profession of Jonathan Hogue. <clears throat> Let me look up his Bibli. His Bibli? Bibliography. His, oh, his Bibli? Bi- oh, his Biblio. Let me look up his Bibo. His Biblio? Oh, he did Starship Troopers. Yes, that's I, the other I think real they should really one. try making Ooh. that movie for the first time. The s- Starship <laughs> Troopers. Wouldn't that be fun? I'll get someone like Denise Richards or someone like that. I don't know who, but it's someone like movie. Denise Richards. We did it on frame rate. I did actually really like Starship Troopers. I watched it more recently. I was like, he oh. was the odd one out. I, Me and Dave were okay. really into well, it. Well, I also was a closeted boy, and there was a closet great shower boy. scene where you got to see Casper Van Dien's Dude, butt. Everyone and that naked. was very just rare for, also, for me. So I was very excited room. about that. It's just like a shoebox full of pretty naked body parts. And I was like, oh. <laughs> 
I was like, yeah. even boobs, I was like, I don't see those. And it much. posits a world where everyone's cool with it. You just look at each other naked yeah. and you're like, this is just awesome. Like, I'm 16. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, by the way, this <laughs> nice is tits. this is definitely out of my like now that I've been asked this question, I'm like, cool. Like, what are their mo- like? What is uh, what is Asimov's? Asimov famous is known for-, for inventing the three laws of robotics. He what's uh, his famous books though? I Robot probably it's the yeah, most famous, but all, he also he's the bicentennial man's based on oh. an Asimov story that's much better robots. than the movie. He wrote. Uh, he arguably is one of the most prolific writers in the English language to ever live. Like wow. wrote so many books. Well, 90% yeah. are about robots. He says very one track mind, but also interesting <laughs> as a fact, he's the only author in the English language to have at least one published book in every category of the Dewey decimal system. Oh, he's written dirty joke books. He's written biographies, name the genre of book. He's written a dictionary of his own potting, uh, yeah. potting like instruction. He's written books. He yeah. thought of himself Everything. as a robot well, and wanted to be efficient. He may. And- well, this question is definitely outside of my knowledge base. And then Clark is v- certainly most famous for 2001 A Space Odyssey. Oh, Michael, yeah. do you have an answer for this one? This was probably aimed at me because I'm the one who talks about sci-fi a lot, which is why I'm going to go last. <laughs> Abe, do you have an answer? Um, not really. I'm more. I'm less interested in those stories because they're a lot of them have already been told. Mm. Um, I'm more interested in the new sci-fi that we're seeing. Uh, you know, like Annihilation, I really like. I also the book was not as good as the movie, though. I yeah. Did you read? No. Uh, I haven't actually finished it, but um, it's like stilted though in a weird way, isn't it? I the yeah, I kind dope. of didn't make it through it just because of the formatting. Very dry language. Very yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but in in any case, I I I like the topics that we're zeroing in on. Uh, I like the human body 2.0 stuff that we're doing. I like the hard drives as brains. You know, it's the concept that I sign up for. for sci-fi is going to be sci-fi. that way. I think I'm like, not, yeah. tied to a hip, the hip of any writer. It's se. interesting how sci-fi shares that with comedy. It becomes dated because of course the sci-fi written today mm-hmm. is the predictions within are more accurate and relevant than sci-fi from the fifties. Like uh, stranger in a strange land's funny. Cause it posits, it's like Jetson style. It's a guy in the forties positing what the year 2000 is going to be like. And mm-hmm. so much shit is wacky. Wacky. There wrong, won't be right? roads. <laughs> right, no, right. It's like, no, it's mm, flying car no. society. Yeah. yeah. Um, so to quickly answer Steven, the lesser, uh, Asimov is my favorite of the three. What is the whole question? What see, would you say are their film. best works? For Asimov, I would say his best works are uh, the really trippy short stories that lay out how the three rules can be broken. Yeah. Run, Rabbit, Run is one that occurs to me off oh, the top yeah. of my head. Because uh, he basically invented a set of rules and all his best stories are him thinking of creative ways someone flex, could get around his own rules that he invented. Right, like he like some to, of them are really clever. He liked to flex it around. Like, what what inconsistency would a robot that we wouldn't think of like think what, of, right. where would the beams cross and fuck up the whole system? The simplest version, which is the only version that's been translated to film, is well, what if we tell a robot to protect all the humans? Right, and it says, well, the only way to protect you is to enslave humanity because you're also right. 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 That's the basic version of that. If you delve into Asimov's short stories. There's way cooler nuances of meaning than that. That's like the dumb version. Heinlein's weakness is that he's the most dated by far. Uh, his shit is basically pro-fascist, super right-wing, very xenophobic. If you look past that and you're just trying to appreciate like, okay, he was racist and horrible because he's from the 30s, but what stories are good? I really like the sixth column. The sixth column, again is about how white people need to band together and kill all Asian people. But <laughs> the way they do with... You this, heard it here first. Wow. That's the end of the broadcast. The way they no. do is with this technology is invented that can uh, rearrange things on an atomic level and turn any matter into any other matter. And the endlessly creative ways they use that to defeat an entire global army when it, there's just like five of them is clever and interesting and you're like i never would have thought of that this is believable that with this one power this 
five people could conquer the world. Mm. Um, but of course, they're conquering the world back for the express purpose of extinguishing all Asian life from yeah, the face I have of the, the planet. Same problem. And that's Heinlein's problem. <laughs> I have the same problem with Card, uh, even though Speaker for the Dead is one of my favorites. He's a piece of shit. He's a piece of shit and like, homophobe. And it's not that every book has it, but once you know it, you start to see how it bleeds through into the books. Yeah. And you're like, I don't even really want to be reading this. Because you know, like... Oh, well, it's set in this time where they're homophobic, but that's probably because it's modeled after. But then after you know that he really mm. is, you're like, no, he's trying to embed coded homophobia into it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You piece um, of shit. Clark, I have not read anything except 2001 A Space Odyssey, so I won't speak to that. <sighs> All right, moving on. Question two. Okay, we're ready. Yeah. We're ready. <laughs> yeah. Daniel's ready. like, this one's going to be in my wheelhouse. suddenly listen. We have no, 11 know, questions. Oh, okay. So it's get, not, yeah, it's okay. They're not all that. Michael, you talked a lot about your love of sci-fi. Yes, they are. We might be skipping this question. And how your dream job would be to write short stories, sci-fi short stories. As someone who grew up in the UK, I was very accustomed to listening to radio dramas. Have you considered writing or recording radio plays? We're skipping mm. this. Yes, we've considered that sounds fun, many yeah. different things we could do, and maybe we will. But that's sort of just a functional beans question. Yeah, I mean, like we've we've discussed it because um, the only problem is the overhead on some of that recording. We, it's something we both really want to do. It's a time investment. It's a big time suck because you have to do a lot of sound design. You have to do multiple recordings and to try to generate it so that it's on the yeah alongside with all the other stuff that we're doing for this page. So maybe yeah. one day we'll decide it's worth it to give you fewer podcasts a week, which we currently give you three. But give you a um, but. Save up for a bigger project. Yeah. That said, when our patronage is plateauing as it is right now, we kind of want to keep the trains rolling. So that's a horizon thing. Uh, thank you for asking, Liam Dodd. Oh, okay. And then someone responded to that. Okay. Moving down to Joseph Burroughs. Daniel, huh? were you as disappointed as I was that you were overlooked for the role of Freddie Mercury in the upcoming <laughs> biopic? Did it uh, well, did that I occur didn't even... to you? <laughs> I didn't even get an audition. Well, there you go. Um, you didn't talk to Brian? I mean, Brian Singer? You didn't? No, I didn't talk to Brian. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, honestly, I would have loved to have auditioned for it. I don't think I would have uh, booked the feature film the version of it necessarily. Well, but um, in playing it just at Cracked, it was like, a, turned out it was a dream come true. Once yes. I was doing it, I was like, oh, I love getting to... Okay, to so play that's, him. that's really what I think they want to know about because they're saying you're, uh, as a lifelong Queen fan, your portrayal of Freddie is the best there will ever be. So, yeah. <laughs> well, how did how'd you prepare for that role? What did it feel like? You said it was super fun. It was so, well, so I didn't, everyone in the world knows Queen's music because there's no way not to mm. and exist. But um, I didn't know almost anything about Freddie Mercury. I knew the very broad strokes. Mm -hmm. So when I got asked to do it, I was like, let me watch a documentary. About oh. Him. So I watched a documentary and then there's all kinds of footage of him that you can actually find. Yeah. And so I just spent time in my room figuring out who he was and where he operated from and, um, on his bicycle, on his bi bicycle, <laughs> but also he's very unflappable and kind of like mm -hmm. casual, uh, and yeah, yeah. nothing, you know, he was, kind of a queen not in the sense of like hey queen exactly but <laughs> right. like he was kind of a a royal you figure like, in his yeah. life in, in the sense that totally. like you know some people have power because they you know wield it with a closed fist and some people do because they're above everything and they're smarter than you and, and they're more they and they're more charismatic than they you float in the entourage, yeah. yeah and so i was like okay he comes through he doesn't need to push hard to Established that he has dominance. <coughs> he mm. does that through charm and charisma, mm. and you know he's very. Uh, I wish people could see how you're yeah, becoming Freddie yeah, Mercury right yeah, now. Yeah, kind of like <laughs> it's always good to see an actor. Well, and physically, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm gonna, yeah you just kind of work with physically yeah. what's going on, what I saw. But um, it was so much fun to play because when I was watching him, I was like, oh, I love you. You're my role model too yeah. because he's so effortlessly Unbounded confident yeah, and yeah, yeah. in a way that I definitely am not well I whether think it was the, real or not he pulled it off I think the, <laughs> yeah. I think the real credit goes to um, the person who decided uh, you should be the, the, thank Mercury. you so much Michael Swain yeah. was that someone me? who had no, the vision and the boldness it was probably yeah. Abe since he's bringing it up <laughs> 
Thank you very no, much. Abe. Abe's uh, put me in a lot of great. That, uh, he played. So if you don't understand that this question or this answer, uh, at Cracked we did uh, a shortly lived three episode. A series called Music Notes, where we had Katie Stoll and Greg Burke. At the very end of when they were willing to give us any money whatsoever. And then yeah. they even took that money away. And that's oh. when everything became in front of a green screen. If you love that <laughs> yeah. series and are angry that there isn't more, I am absolutely at fault. Because <laughs> I they I I got them to give me more money because I'm like, you to want make it, it better. to be good. Yeah. And then at the end of the cycle for the first three, it was planned to do like we had like scripts work yes. like they weren't scripts. They were just kind of like, oh, we should do an episode of this. We should do an episode of that. And when we got into the and I talked to I, I believe it was Dan. I but, wrote a rough for one of them that wrote, I just never even sent in. Yeah, they, I heard because oh, don't bother things yeah. met went a different way. <laughs> Money had to go to a different place. And they were just like, well, if that's how much that series takes, we can't we, afford to do yeah. that. Series but that dude, anymore. that's not really your fault because it wasn't yeah. a lot of money. And like six weeks later, they would be saying that about things that cost $50. Yeah. Like they're like, it was just on the wane of our ability to get yeah. money out of that company. Um, but yeah, check out music notes. It was also it was the Macklemore episodes. Very, excellent. What was the third? Uh, Alanis Morissette. Yeah, Alanis Kelsey. Morissette. Yeah. Of course. The irony I, topic I would, that I've will haunt her You were in dies. that one as well. Yeah. A yeah. little moment. But yeah. I, I've been surprised how much <laughs> really people specifically will recognize me from music notes specifically. Because I'll have people like, who know me from of a weird series. different yeah. shows yeah. that I've done or sketches or whatever. But randomly that one specifically people like fell in love with and are like I share it all yeah. the time or like this was a big part of college we would watch this all the time when I was in college <laughs> right. and I'm like are you not in college now what has happened wasn't that like last like, week <laughs> right that's the other <laughs> oh, thing how dare oh, you speak to us already uh, several years ago now yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that speaks to how you hardly yeah, exactly. nailed it but also exactly. people's intense love of Freddie Mercury so that's if you true. can nail that they're like they're like okay clutch you to their bosom because you see what they see I can't, I'm in a sea of bosoms now I can't get out because <laughs> I've been clutched so hard i bet there were a couple of people who <laughs> had yeah, a little pang good. when they heard you say but i didn't know anything about freddie mercury you know oh like yeah but, I'm sure. you know I'm that sure. was the, when i did the lizzie bennett diaries i didn't know anything about pride and prejudice and were some and people so like, i was like, like here i go research me. Makes me sad uh mostly people are like oh wow interesting i don't can't conceive of a world in which i didn't already know about the pride and prejudice, pride and prejudice. You know? is there a name it's for, down your throat like, in school it's there, surprising you didn't is there are there names for people who are like Gung ho about Pride and Prejudice. There's like, Austinites. Austinites. I think Brontosaurus. Prejudice. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, I knew for our show, but I'm not PP people. We are the PP people. Yeah, triple peoples. Up peoples. All right, Brandon Mitchell asks. Daniel, Abe, and Michael, you struck comedy gold. And, okay, so it's another memory lane one. <coughs> In Those Are Muskets, Skit, Future House. Oh, yeah. Oh, what are some of the memories of making Future House? So long ago. Uh, did Abe direct? Where'd you find such an advanced house? <laughs> Who did craft services? Uh, detailed oral history. Uh, Abe directed. I directed. I found the house. Uh, it's in like... Your um, parents hooked us up. Hooked us up. With because, a house. Yeah, yeah, someone was selling a house that, that was their friend and... Just if we went there at the right time, it would be an empty house. It was being staged and was not being sold yet. It was a super expensive house in where land is cheap because it's the land of ass. It's inland San Diego, like real inland, like even even more east than like Temecula, like getting close to Indio. It's literally in Aslan, which is a small There's like hell California. No one wants to live there, so the people that do get big old houses. They buy enormous houses because the land is cheap. Stay inside in the air conditioning with their Wi-Fi. Yep. Uh, Uh, The one one thing I remember is we were informed that the reason that house was in transition is the landlord found out people living there were a, a cult. Oh. Like a cult was for, uh, right. operating out of it. It was big enough. There were many bedrooms, it and like, big. and they were attracting new cult members. The landlord found out and evicted them. So that, so thank you, cult, for making Future House yeah. possible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I just remember, I remember weirdly how what it looked like, and it was like very deserty. Yes. Yeah. Generally outside, um, and Chaparral, and we yeah. didn't have like, I feel like maybe we didn't have silverware or something. Once it came to. There were certain things where you're like, oh, right. When you're in a house with Empty nothing house. in it, yeah. it doesn't yeah. have anything. Right. There's no paper towels. You know? <laughs> Toilet right. paper. But, right. um, yeah. 
But I feel like that was the first like musket sketch that I really did that I was actually a role in. You know, that like I was... Uh, that's, that was my yeah, introduction to you like, guys, like working with you guys. Actually, like I think I had this, like people go, "This is my and I, line," and I wasn't yeah, even in that one yet. Yeah, yeah. And then I, I had done one. What it was the porn names one? <laughs> yeah, where yeah. I like walked out with a boner, and that was like one of the early. So I think that was the first <laughs> time, like I, I was that like, off, yeah. Daniel, that "Well, was... luckily I have that pump that just <laughs> just comes gets with it you. hard and yeah. and releases pressure just so easily." Yeah, and you guys knew about that since you did the surgery to install it. Just a. That was the full budget of the thing. Uh, yeah. I do remember we had a lot Money of fun. We decided on the day and process, I think, talking all together that your guy should start entering in weird ways. Yeah, remember that kind of like that's not in the script then, that your like head like yeah. comes in sideways and shit like that. Yeah, moving on. Yeah, well, I th- uh, you brought a lot to it. Like, I think that was originally written as a like the straight person realtor role. Yeah. And I just love that you found games for him That's anyway. One of my favorite parts about working with people that you get along well with, you get each other's speed and humor, uh, is that that's, it's truly a beautiful thing when you like, Cause I was definitely like we're run and gun at that time. So it was definitely like, yeah. let the, and there's no craft services. There's, yeah, there's nothing. Pizza. Maybe the only right. person yeah. who's not in the sketch that was there was a, yeah. And thing. I think there was Matt, Matt was there okay. doing sound. Yep. Um, Matty Bars. Uh, oh, yeah. The, yeah, it's like um, when you're working with someone and then they do a thing that's so hilarious to you and then you realize, oh, shit, then when we set, we set up a shot for that later thing, now we can build a thing. Build a and I wouldn't right. have thought of it. He didn't write it. You didn't expect it to become a thing, but between the three of the us, the shape all, of the house gave you an idea. Yeah, so it's right. great. And just That's by the magic. To, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> it's like one of those things that we all kind of looked at each other and laughed at it and said, "No, it's definitely now a thing." Right. I'm gonna have to pop and in three times. Though. To the point that, <laughs> like, if there's another beat that we haven't figured out, we're gonna have to force a way to make the beat work. Yeah. yeah. And so you do more work than you even were thinking you were going to do for this bit just so that, you know, comedy rules and threes and stuff like that. That was also the first time we had ever tackled motion tracking special effects. Oh yeah. Oh, that was meaning yeah, back in the day placing shit. So like the one that stands out in my memory that was legitimately a nightmare is the panel you touch, uh, Daniel oh, yeah, yeah. touches on the wall when they first come in the house. That was just a big empty wall with a black dot sticker on it. The panel is the, Photoshop like it's from the Star Trek bridge and we stuck it on there and I still think if you look carefully you can see that it slides around Mm -hmm. like it's not perfectly motion tracked that was the best we could do after maybe 25 hours of just re-motion tracking that little square I like a dick like like did a weird pan every time and we had like we would do it much faster now because we've had but that was the effect where we learned motion tracking the hard way yeah That was the first time we tried it. It that's, fucking sucked. That's how it was back then, though. We were just like, what? We we could have, we broke so many rules. We did so many stupid things and didn't do it the right way because we were just like, I don't know, we got a camera and we like got good, like people, we got a script, we got actors, let's go, you know, and yeah. like no plan really. And then we get there and we're like, ah, we'll figure out, well, this is another skill set that I'm going to have to develop. Yep. Uh, but isn't that so much of like I don't know? That's kind of the stuff. Yeah, yeah that's like I guess. The, uh, well, I, I can't afford to pay anyone to I do guess. this, so I'm gonna learn to do this today. I'm an accountant. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who who did the voice of the the house? Was it you or me? me. Yeah, oh. Mr. Oprah. Oh, oh, right. Uh, Philip J. Pearson says, congrats on season two, Daniel. Thank you. Will Yay. there be Mr. any Pearson. episodes about or calling out the fact that Matt looks like John Cena? John Cena? I can That's for you to determine. That's that, for you to determine. Well, this it, is the one person's opinion. I mean, the, Cena's got such a huge face. His, well, his jaw goes out more. The thing that's really funny is because Matt, like, very clearly looks like Michael uh, C. Hall. Okay, and I can and see like that. he's yes. gotten that More. so much yeah. that it's just so funny to get like he looks so much like this person when Matt clearly like 
Does that mean? Like, from the beginning of meeting Matt, it's like, so he funny. looks like someone, and but, then every, like, when yeah. people say that Matt looks like someone, it's always, am I think I'm thinking of Michael C. Hall. From, Michael C. Yeah, Hall. Yeah, from, yeah. from Safe and Six Feet Under, Dexter. Yes, yes. Yeah. I was like, not Anthony Michael Hall. Um, Michael <laughs> C. Hall. Um, so, hearing John Cena so forcefully, like, clearly he looks like John Cena, I'm like, does I don't know if it's clearly, I, I don't think if you, so. Just, if you just imagine, like, his, the, the bridge of his nose to his forehead, I see it. Uh, but I, I think uh, Hall is a better reference. It's interesting. I wonder about the transitive oh, I mean, property. I a little bit. The transitive property then implies that John Cena and Michael C. Hall look alike, but I would not no, say that at all. Because right. parts of faces can yeah. look like someone. So he's between them. He's like an all face. He's a John C. <laughs> C. Hall. He's a John C. <laughs> all face. John C. Hall face. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks for the question, Philip J. Pearson. And yes, um, also, season two is upcoming. Thank you very much for um, being excited about it because we're really excited about it too. Yeah, it's going to be great. Jay David Timeshare asks, uh, I can already <laughs> I tell this is a scam. Last name. <laughs> it's a scam. It's a scam. Hi, guys. How much do you spend on an average vacation? No, no, that's not what he said. Okay. Hi, guys. In terms of independent projects, what are your thoughts on the balance between getting material out as soon as possible and keeping something under your hat, especially if it seems like a really good idea? Can obsessing over something to try and come out of the gate strong be detrimental? I have, I have met much experience with this in many ways. Um, I, I have, over the years, noticed that... A lot of people who make independent projects in their mind put no time for post of mm-hmm. it like projects that almost get finished or get shot or recorded and never get finished because people forget that after you finish it there's the most plenty time? of work to it's do the and is the longest time. chunk of time yeah. the kind of the hardest time is to take it from there to a finished product there is a point of no return though, where if you don't, if it's been two years, suddenly you're going to just put it out, even if it's not perfect. Mm. But we had that thought cause Matt lives in New York. So when we started shooting Matt and Dan, our first season, we, we also weren't sure what we were going to do with it. We just wanted to shoot one sketch. And then we were like, well, we want to shoot this one too. Let's shoot these. And then we got in a situation where we were like, we've shot two of these what is the point in putting out one video with nothing else to follow it up or two videos with nothing else to follow it up? But at the same time, I knew we weren't going to be able to do some like kind of constant weekly, uh, con- weekly. It's too high production. It was value too high that, production yeah. value. And he lived in New York. And, yeah. and so we th- said, let's do this as a season instead. So we'll create a bunch of stuff and then have a release period where you are getting to just enjoy that. Yeah. Um, and, I'm glad that we're doing it that way because I know a lot of people who, if you, if you're not getting the resources to keep it up, you're, you feel like you're always behind and also never finishing stuff to the level that you want to finish it. Batching is the most important tool for independent, low budget filmmakers. Like you should never, if you do, (laughs) if you're getting your buddies together to make a sketch that involves spending 50 bucks on props, what the fuck else could you shoot with those same props that day? That's also funny. Like batching is very important. I agree. Um, and as far as like polishing an idea to the point where you're like, it's finally good enough to release into the world versus what if we don't get it out fast enough and someone takes our great idea. All I've learned is ideas are the cheapest, easiest, stupidest, stupidest aspect of this whole process that everyone seems to think is like, crucial like i know right. people who have no training have never tried to light something or edit footage and they're like but i have this idea should i do something with it or should i keep sitting on it man you got nothing you have right. no experience doing any of the things that will make this come out good and be good and then people will like your idea your idea will only be accepted if you're good at filmmaking and writing and editing so i would say fuck your idea Make a hundred things right now if you're literally just starting out in indie world for the purposes of that's your film school. It's not because that's going to make you famous. You're not going to get good at doing this if you don't start making something. Make something now. I uh, I agree with everything that people have been saying, but the only ones that the only thing that we haven't responded to that question mm. is the obsession aspect. Mm. Uh, I it's a, it's a myth. It should be dispelled. 
there should be no such thing that I believe that the thing, the way that if you want to be a filmmaker or a storyteller in general is that you need to not have as a part of the definition or a part of your worldview that you have passion projects and you have non-passion projects. That may be true to an outside observer. It may even be true to you day to day, but it's something you should dispel because uh, you need to be prepared for every single thing you like that's your that's how you make something that's great is by being prepared to make the thing you size it you how many days do i have how much money do i have how many actors and actresses do i have how many like they're all problems that need to be solved and your preparedness for that is what makes it a success or not uh also there's a whole bunch of talent and other things that you know luck and stuff that do you know, get into the equation. But I'd say that it's never smart to obsess about something so much that you need to like hit the ground running before you're prepared. And you kind of know when you're prepared, even though there is that adage that you're never prepared enough because, you know, something crazy can happen. While that's true, if you are able to, as a producer or as a filmmaker or director or even a writer, know what your plan is and say every day you're able to the night before the week before whatever is necessary you can say these is this is the subset of problems that i'm going to have to solve today i'm going to walk through every conversation in my head that i could probably ever have about this question here or this question or things that i don't know and aren't solvable yet with that, if you have confidence with that other stuff, that makes the stuff where you don't have answers yet easy to hurdle over because you don't have to be worrying about everything. You just have to be worrying about what's right in front of you. So I would say also if you're obsessed about something and you're like trying to infuse, especially in an indie setting, like, hey, man, I got this project. It's really awesome and stuff like that. That usually is... um, I. Passion is infectious. Passion but can bring investors it in can. for sure. You should definitely should be confident your in idea. your ideas. Yeah. Uh, but it also can make people go, oh, this is an indie person who's going to probably try to manipulate me and get me to work for very for little and stuff like that and like sacrifice my wants for their vision. Um, transparency is the most important aspect in doing business with people. Yeah. So get them all about your vision and all about like a joint vision about how to create a story and then sweat the smaller stuff, like how much they're going to get paid and if they're willing to do it at all. Don't surprise people with, Oh, by the way, you're getting paid this unless you have a relationship like that. There's, you know, but uh, ultimately uh, that's not how you make a longstanding, you know, relationship work with your others. And I think just as far as like Daniel was saying about post being people don't realize that that's the most time the uh, coming up with the idea, like the premise, I think is arguably the least amount of time. Yeah. Not that you don't sit around and come up with a hundred ideas and try to make them good. Right. And, but that only takes a day to three days, even to come up with an idea that you're like, we got it. Every other part of the process takes way longer than three days. So and, right. the and idea unless you're is not already, the main thing. Unless you're already rich and famous and <laughs> yeah. connected, no one cares about your ideas. Yeah. It's your execution of your ideas that matters. And you do need, if you have a good idea that you uh, are working on executing, then sure, work on, you know, try to execute it. Yeah. But, and it kind of sounds like they're coming from the point of view of like, I've been working on something for a really long time and it's like kind of maybe done, but like I'm still not ready because I want to perfect it forever. Those sometimes you have to just have a like sober look at your process and say, this has been three years. I need to move on. I'm going to do one more round of notes on this and then I'm going to put it out there because people do get, yeah. Um, obsessed with a single project and forsake all other projects and sometimes you just have to be like no I look I only live a hundred years I've lived this many of those years I have more stories in me and I'm going to work on those and too, especially you know? if you're trying to like make a living of it if you've only made one unit of thing in three years yeah. that's not feasible if you're not if, <laughs> like, one unit of thing. if writing is your hot <laughs> that's fine right uh, to kill a mockingbird it's one of two books that woman ever wrote. Right. Writing novels was presumably not like her day job. She was allowed to obsess about To Kill a Mockingbird for as long as she fucking wanted. And she yeah. did. And it came out great. So do what works for you. Robin Root asks, 
With the stress, pressure, and stretched budgets in indie filmmaking, what makes you think it's all worth it? Working with my friends. And I can't imagine what else I would do. <laughs> Those are my two answers. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really have a fallback, but it's also... Uh, if I were to have to do a fallback, I, I, I still would try to find a way to t- tell stories uh, because that's just so infused in my brain and I have a passion and uh, apparently a knack for it. So it, like it's more that I don't know. I don't know if it's similar for you guys. Like if it's more, your question to me is more relevant if it's like what would happen to you? if you didn't have storytelling in your life. And my answer would be, I would be very sad all the time, (laughs) probably not a good person to be around and probably self-destructive. Yeah. Cause for me, it's not a question of, is it worth it? I never think that this is just what I do. Cause it's the thing I like to do the most. There's I never question whether it's worth it. It's all I can do and it's all I'm good at. There's non indie filmmaking jobs though. Like in, out, out there you That's know there true. are jobs that are in filmmaking that are part of the studio system oh and, and i take them in a heartbeat you know, i've never been offered one right well there's that I part of staff, it is that it, i would staff write for young sheldon in a fucking heartbeat if well that yeah that's yeah. different possible but I, do you, are you like saying like pa kind of stuff or, or, are you, or saying you know like people who young sheldon yeah i mean people who work on all the shows out there all the movies out there a lot mm. of them have office jobs that are creative but you know work in a production office right, or are right. you know being hired to write three pilots a year for cbs and whether or not they ever get made whether or not that's even their style so, yeah. i mean i think I, I won't speak for you guys but there are many entertainment jobs that i would be interested in that i would i think would be fulfilling mm-hmm. but generally also not that i want to only be doing independent filmmaking forever but um, you when you're making stuff independently, you have so much more f- artistic freedom, and you're so much less censored by, you know, I I'm not good generally at taking notes from someone I don't think is creative, mm-hmm. or you know who doesn't who isn't on board with what right. I, I'm trying to do, and so a lot of times in non-independent filmmaking scenarios, there's a hierarchy and ultimately the person at the top of the hierarchy is going to dictate a lot of uh, the creative decisions. And, and they may just being be spouting opinions and have no connection to filmmaking. Yeah. Often. Uh, right. Often. They're they not, could be like a they're Pepsi not executive and this is their project they're overseeing. So <laughs> like being able to be in a situation where it's like kind of an uh, extra advanced form of being a kid because I started making videos and stuff when I was a kid but now knowing how to do it and having resources to do it sometimes um is like this kind of a dream come true of like Mm -hmm. I get to work with people I like I get to determine the the I get to have the vision that I get to enact to versus so many filmmaking jobs where you're much more limited and that's true like in a way Fuck the money. It's hard to overestimate how much it more it means if as a kid you dreamed of making movies or shows or whatever because you watched movies and shows and they amazed you and in your mind you came up with your own ideas for movies and shows. Right. It is such a different feeling. Like no that kid is not dreaming of Maybe one day my writing sample will get me a staff writing position on a show someone else thought of and some of my lines will make it in some of the episodes. And I'm an assistant. No, you have an idea for a show you think would be cool and you want to do that. Like it's so much more rewarding. Yeah, Yeah, than like I I dreamed of being a unit production manager for that assembles you know, a great show. Melissa but and Joey. But no, you want to. I mean, right. That works for some people, yeah. but I know what you mean because, yeah. like, usually with people who have ideas for like a independent feature or something like that, they have that disease, whatever it is, that um, you make a life not a living kind of thing. Right. And kind of to your point, I actually think that the, or at least what I'm thought about most as I, you know, and taking some of the money that I'm getting from people who I don't even know. Uh, to just work on stuff that they're listening to right now. The uh, the amount of selfishness, the egotism of it, the confidence of it, that's all a disease that I think with the three of us share. Uh, <laughs> and it's it's good and it's a bad thing. It's just, you know, it's the... the 
it's just who we are. We, we, it, it, it's good and it's bad. It's, it's, uh, to me, it's always been, I want to do this thing. I'll let, I'll keep doing it as long as I can keep standing, uh, right. you know, financially, physically, uh, <laughs> and I would love to have someone buy my show and help me make it. And I would willingly submit some responsibility to them to do that too. But mm. like, those are not opportunities that are constantly it's knocking really on the door great. all the time. Right. So a lot of times the, the fun thing is that, or I don't know if this is fun or traumatic, but, um, <laughs> that we don't have a choice a lot of the time about, how we make it if you're Our, we gonna, just yeah. want to make something and we need to make something and we know how to so if we're not going to have some of those opportunities we're going to do it anyway so and, and if you're barely <laughs> going to have enough money scraped together to make it happen you may as well have no censorship and full control of the project right <laughs> also people are looking for something that's unique and new and there's nothing like you're if Depending on how unique and special you are, everyone's, you know, unique and special in some way. But uh, you're going to get noticed most for what you're boldly doing anyway. So might as well have complete control of it because Mm -hmm. then the chances, the logic being that the chances of you succeeding because you're like, oh, shit, this is one element of this thing is absolutely perfect for a project. And before you know it, you're a quote unquote success. But I think, you know. The work is the success, but that's just me. All right. A couple more questions. A couple more questions. Heather Johnston asks about anything specific we do to publish to YouTube as opposed to other mediums or platforms. Uh, the only thing Abe and I do at all is be wary of using copyrighted sounds or images. Mm-hmm. I don't do nothing else to court YouTube. Do you guys? Uh, no, I just... I mean... No, I mean, pretty much you just have to be wary of what you're putting in your final product. And, yeah. you know, we did get flagged for something that was like, I bought this, I own the rights to this, and I'm allowed to post it. And I, I, but you had to tell them then, that. And yeah. And then it went back. Or, yeah. And we did have one become age restricted, which I thought was rude. But. Yeah. We've had our fair share. <laughs> we've definitely thought about fair use stuff because, like, you know, mo- there's just so many channels these days on YouTube that are like film credit right. or whatever. Or streaming. Uh, you tried to post the Minecraft stream and it got taken down for copyright. And I was like, yeah. I don't get it, though, because there's hundreds of YouTube channels that are just guys streaming themselves playing Minecraft. Right. Well, that got- <laughs> what's the difference? Oh because I was playing music. Behind oh, it, because I didn't care. On. I didn't okay. care. It was for the experience of the Twitch. So followers. the spider didn't catch Minecraft. It caught the sound of the music. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Um, so that's a thing. But like, I want all our fans to know, and I think Daniel would probably say the same. Our content would not be any di- like we're not chasing YouTube mm. clouds or hits or anything. Yeah. There was some of that. It cracks like we would get <laughs> feedback from the Facebook algorithm and pitch to that, but. Small Beans is certainly not doing that. We don't have the information to do that if we wanted to. It also turned out it was a scam the whole time. It also turned out the right. algorithm and, was bullshit, and, and we never should have been following tens it. Tens and right. tens and tens of thousands of people lost their jobs. Right. Like, it wow. turned out the algorithm was full of highly fabricated Maybe data hundreds blocks. of thousands. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because everyone in that industry at that time of, like, professional internet comedy content people... Right. Like, we know people at Funny or Die, we know people at College Humor. Everyone was like, oh, the past is web, the future is Facebook. Here's what the algorithm says. And pitching sketches directly to, like, keywords that were trending on that Facebook algorithm that turned out to not be anything. It was yeah. just something Facebook put together. Just grabbing oh, monies. <laughs> yeah. Just taking the monies from the uh, producers. And they charge the, the company content. for that information. And yeah. then put it on their own player and Ugh. only their player. Oh, fun. But they're going to die but, too now, so I mean, fuck the, it all. The, the good thing dies. is that there are <laughs> other platforms that fund the creation of stuff. Like we use Seed and Spark. You guys use Patreon, mm-hmm. obviously. Fight. That That you don't have... YouTube can't fund basically anyone's content mm-hmm. anyway. So... It, using it just as a distribution platform, oh, but yeah. not having that pressure of we need to get enough views to justify mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Instead, there's just people who want to see this content and are willing to help you make it mm-hmm. wherever it ends up getting 
distributed. Yeah, we're not so trying to monetize it's, it's our nice YouTube channel. It's nice to not have to do that, and there's so right. many different options for how. Because we'd rather be viewed and that that's the great thing with like the Patreon and seeing spark model and stuff like that. And like we were talking about before, I I think there's a new metric in the new world order of the web because obviously ad revenue, the way that it worked, you know, at our old job and just about the atmosphere that that, that's there now. I mean, yeah, 80% of content, well, not 80%, but like a, (laughs) um, just an insane amount of content that's out there right now is mainly based on like news of like our fucking president. Yeah. And it's just like become moot in like six months. Yeah. And it's just like, where's all that content going to go? It's just this constant flux. Like there's no way to market from an ad revenue standpoint, a sales standpoint. How the fuck do you market at that? How do you get like someone get invested in this company? Why? Because they say negative things about the president. Well, as and a, a lot of people, Oreo, we, we're right. Nestle. We can't say bad things right. about the president. <laughs> you know, and then it's just so like the burble, the burble, the, the bubble burst just because, um, you know, there, there needs to be a new metric and I don't know what it is yet, the but burble I, bus. I, 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 I like, <laughs> I like what we're doing now. And I, you know, it, it feels like you're closer to your fans, right? Yeah. It it's feels also like returned to the original way artists were patronized right. in right. like Renaissance times was you would actually find your audience and they would pay for you to keep making art. I enjoy mm. it yeah. rather than submit a, some of your art and see if a giant company will hire you to put you in a slot in their company. Well, it's become easier to, or maybe it always was, but it's easier to get to people to pay for something that doesn't exist yet than for something that already exists a lot of the time. That's what I mean. I think people are starting to recognize that it's cool to support creators you care about. Like it's a form of your own artistic expression to give a buck a month yeah. or whatever to the things you really like to ensure they keep coming out right. yeah. versus loading up the YouTube every day and seeing what's free on there. I, it's like a way to show your taste and everything. Yeah, I, I agree. Tali, two more. Tali Barra asks. Uh, ha- Halle Berry, you said? Halle Berry Tally asks. Hall? Who would win in a lingerie pillow fight? You can't say yourself. So Daniel's at a real disadvantage because it's a, clearly Daniel. A lingerie pillow fight between the but three of us. The three okay. of us. Well, if I can't, I it was, if I can't say myself, it's not him. I'm saying Daniel. He's just Matt. clearly the best physical specimen. Yeah, he Thank could. He could dodge. Uh, here's the he thing: both I have, both of us. I have very We're powerful wildly, attacks, though, and we have weird lexicon. Like we have like kind of mental telepathy, like a little bit of telepathy going. But don't so, you assume this is every man for himself? Why are you assuming it's the both well, of us versus Daniel? As I'm imagining this, also I'm imagining that we're like in basically one of those WWF cage matches, but the ground is like like a huge mattress with like sexy sheets <laughs> and like silks. It's because you're and gonna more. do crazy aerial shit, you know? Like yeah, you're gonna be round off around. back, round off back handspring, uh, split kick where I yeah, like kick both of you in the face at the same you time. You you're like the mattress is thematically appropriate. We're like, no, he's using it for flips. Although so I have to hit you with the, with the pillow, I guess. Because he's, <laughs> he's just, kick you. He's the most fit <laughs> and strongest. But if we work together you're very tall that's true we betray I'm, you i'm, I'm we team up and betray you big i feel like we could use weight and height as yeah. an advantage I, I think if you two were both battling me i would be screwed yeah also my pillow fight strategy is to hold the pillow in front of your face and just punch <laughs> you through the pillow right that still counts it's like um <laughs> it's like risk or munchkin rules like every time you start one of those games those board games you almost always go for the person who's on top immediately and but the way they usually work out if you're playing three players yes. is now those two inevitably so like it's bad to be on top at the beginning you're gonna you gotta lose. wait you right. just gotta no nah, i'm all right for like eight it's in rounds. human nature to stifle all <laughs> yes all, stifle all <laughs> people in first no good uh, last but certainly not least russell bauman or bowman apologies russell asks is Daniel Vincent Grode? <laughs> Grode. That's, the, that's a very Grode. common misspelling. Because sure. it's two letters in the middle. That's yeah. easy to People just like, How are my Grodeds They're like, Grod makes as much sense as Gord. Gord yeah. Which is yeah, true. they're all... There's they're silent all, H in there anyway. Yeah. <clears throat> is DVG going to be extra critical of Bohemian Rhapsody after playing... <laughs> The best Freddie Mercury of all time. Oh, wow. So we've um, come f- full circle from first question to last. I don't. I. I. am hypercritical of most movies I see. So mm. 
possibly. Are you planning to see Bohemian Rhapsody? I'm planning to see it. I every so I I never am like I'm dying to see a, this biopic. Got to uh, yes. be first in line to see that biopic. Even people yeah. who are the people you know. I'm like they're one of my idols. I'll still be yeah. like they're my idol because of their art, which I've already imbibed. Yeah. I don't really need to see just stuff they did. I would, I would rather see a documentary about someone's life than a biopic about their life. Agreed. Frankly. Like, Agreed. like the Amy Winehouse documentary was amazing. Mm. I loved it. It was very fascinating. You get to see what she's like. Uh, the bio, If a biopic came out, I'd be like, who's playing her? I okay. do There's like been a couple ones that I've recently. The founder. I, Tanya. Mm-hmm. I Tanya was great and Love That's and Mercy true. the Beach Boys one was yeah. oh I didn't see that one yeah, I Tanya was one of the, the best founder, the founder was but the founder was not a biopic had a point right usually the biopic yeah. meanders around telling you interesting scenes from their lives the founder like fit his life into a planned point so mm-hmm. I would call it like a real film. And sometimes it they do really biopics good. that right. are focused on a specific storyline of someone's life yeah versus like well, like here we are in you know 1957 New Jersey. Yeah. Here's his mom. Here he's here he is. You know, like uh, look the at him. Coal, coal miner's he's daughter. I mean, she starts. Right she there, doesn't. She's not born in it. But you know, like <laughs> mm-hmm. walk the line, and that's walk the right the, one, right? Yeah, walk you, like, the line. Loved him so yeah. great, but Ray just saw him kind of by accident. All to me feel like, of course, they got great actors and powerhouse performances, but as a structure junkie, they tend to be just. Postcards yeah. from this person's life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then at October the end, Sky. Was that See, that that's was? another one I think transcends. It's technically a biopic. Loving was great. But it's I a real loving. movie. They it's a real t- movie. Yeah. They're not trying to like. It is just, postcards, but it's like good postcards. It's true. It's true. All right. I think that's it. Uh, I want to thank everyone who submitted questions. Oh, I, w- I just want to bring up how it's bullshit, though, that. I think the main thing Bohemian Rhapsody is getting flack for is they totally took out the arcs Mm. of him being a gay icon and having AIDS. And it's like, well, what is it going to be about? Him being a rock star. I'm like, that's even less interesting than I thought it was going to be. (laughs) Are they not talking about his, him being gay at all? I think they didn't talk about him being bi. There is, I haven't actually seen it, but I was talking, Maggie was telling me about it. You know Maggie, right? Maggie Mayfish. Mayfish. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sh- she was telling me that there was, a, like, bi, like, because he's well known as being a gay icon, but he was yeah. also bi. And was uh, he? Yeah. And um, they seemed to not really deal with that, other than he was gay. But I, I just know. read reviews that said like, yeah, they mention he's gay, but it's really sanitized. Right. The fact that, like, he was a gay icon for a lot of closeted men at the time. Right, right. And, like, they just play it like, oh, yeah, he was gay. Let's focus on how fucking cool he was. And sure he was. I just thought, well, you're blowing up your main historically notable thread you could have pulled. Mm-hmm. Right. Whatever. It's it's these types of movies that make me, like, there's, so, there's people who are dying that, like, who are a part of our life in a major way because we saw them through like we saw part of their career or they became legends like i'm so scared about like the bowie biopics that we're going to be seeing and you know like there's even gonna, think like 30 years from now right there's going to be some mopey mumblecore radiohead film, biopic. philip seymour hoffman <laughs> biopic you know who knows oh boy yeah there's Ooh. many biopics close us. to the ledge heath ledger biopic come yeah. 2020 oh, exactly. god <laughs> and it's just going to be so depressing because if if they like just showed of like but then it was there, the Joker. You know, just like, gonna, he gonna looks sh- over at some makeup and he just like, hmm, and thinks about it. It's like, no, this is not how any of this works. No. Stop it. See, he picks up a red pencil, like grease pencil, and he goes, "Did I ever tell you how I got those scars? <laughs> By Jove, I've got it! <laughs> I've got it!" Just starts doing the Joker makeup. Yeah, it's just the Joker. Uh, so I'm looking forward to Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. I'll say that. I I just rewatched The Master. He is insane. Haven't seen that. It's it's pretty good. It's, it's delightful. It's pretty good. It's also very relevant right, right now. now. Is it? <laughs> yes. Uh, all right. So watch Matt and Dan season one available on YouTube. Thank you very much. Um, you can also Thank find you. Daniel Vincent Gord's past work. Everywhere, all over, cracked in those are muskets, our stuff, but also 
As Mr. Darcy. As Mr. Darcy. The Lizzie Bennet Diaries. Yes. That was a big fame yes. spike for you at the time, I remember. Yeah, I mean, when uh, Star Meter went through the roof. Yeah, did overnight. You, did you have an overnight? IMIB I did. I, I got my. Something? Yeah. I, I know, I was. The you know it was the highest my star meter ever went <laughs> it, it, for those of you who care about that who hopefully is not very many people but um, <laughs> yeah. but people like, should we see that sketch online I don't know check his IMDb uh, star meter <laughs> oh yeah no sorry we're not calling him in you know I think uh, uh, I think I I was thinking about this before I got here I was like what's my favorite performance that I've ever worked with you on and I I mean Freddie Mercury's pretty good. But I think I'm gonna have to give it to Benedict Arnold. Oh, yes. There's just Thank something about much. that rap scaling. I I loved being in Agents of Crack. That was very fun. Oh yeah, that episode. Yeah, yeah. Damn, so, I haven't seen so that in a long smooth. time. Yeah, so smooth. So silky. Smooth. That's silky. Smooth. I never go back. Remember and watch about Agents the sumptuous sensual words you're yeah, gonna hear. Yeah, <laughs> it's just such a. I don't know. It just tickles me. Yeah. That's weird. I never go back and watch Agents of Cracked. I should. I haven't I did for a long time. A long, I, a while, like a few years ago. So that's the thing. My favorite Nathan role might be the ad, ad guy? sales guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. he was funny. <laughs> Thanks God. for having me on your on your show. Yeah, man. Or am yeah. I still on, or will you stop recording? No, no, no. Uh, we're s- <laughs> we never recorded. We're on. It's- What's your? Uh, do you want to promote your Twitter? Or oh yeah, go to my. Uh, you can go to my Twitter, Daniel V Gord G O R D H. Daniel V. Gord. Our Canadian friend Instagram that spelled. Man Boy Nice. <laughs> I created that handle before I knew I was going to have any followers. Man but, Boy uh, Nice. Man Boy Nice. It's great. I'm going to, yeah. Adam Ganser has a really old username that's still on some of his accounts called Wheat Boy Wood. <laughs> and I constantly give him shit about it. And he refuses to explain the origin or why it's called that. He's like, it's just a thing from my it's childhood. It's just a thing. I don't want to talk about it. And I'm like, all right, Wheat Boy Wood. So here's to you, Adam, wherever you are. Thank you, Adam, from Man Boy Nice.